Well, when it comes to raising kids, don't we need large amounts of laughter? We've got to be able to laugh in those difficult parenting moments. And often, I don't know about your situation, but many times I'm laughing at me and stuff that I do in those difficult parenting moments. So glad that you're here today. We're in week three of our parenting series, and today we're talking about discipline. How do you discipline children in ways that really honor God? And then next week, we're going to talk about resolving family conflicts, something that I know all of us are familiar with. We all have conflict in our families, whether it's a conflict with a parent, conflict with a child, conflict with a sibling. We all know what it's like to have conflict in our family. So we're going to look at how do we resolve those things in ways that honor God. Now, for the past two weeks, I have given you a bottom line statement, just a one sentence statement with an attempt to help you remember the, the bottom line of the message, which hopefully will help you remember some of the other content in the message. And so I want to test your memory today and see if anybody can remember the bottom line statement from the last two weeks. Now, I've got a couple of things. I've got one raised hand up here already, so I've got a couple of things for you. I've got something to sweeten the deal. Okay, so Reese peanut butter cup, and you know how I feel about these Reese peanut butter cups. I'm very fond of them. But this morning, I am willing to part with these for one person who can tell me the bottom line of of the last two weeks. I'm going to go with this hand that I see back here. So it's Holly. Let's hear it. All right, that's week number two. How about week number one? Oh, she did it. Way to go. Good job. Good job. I'm thinking, well, maybe we got to cut these in half and give it to somebody. But um, Cody, could you do me a favor? These are so valuable. I do not want to throw them. So would you take this back to Miss can No, I can't keep them. I'll eat them during the message. So I'm going to put them right here. All right. If somebody comes up and gets them during the message, you might get struck by lightning. Those belong to Holly. All right. So the first two uh, uh, main takeaways for the first two weeks where training my kids starts with me, and training my kids takes time and intentionality. So for the first part, training my kids starts with me. I can't, we can't train our kids in a direction that we aren't going. We can't tell them to be on a path that we aren't on. We need to be on that path ahead of them for them to follow our leadership. And when it comes to the second week, training up our kids takes time. Cannot train kids without time. Time is a requirement. We cannot train kids without large amounts of intentional parenting. We have to be very purposeful in how we parent our kids. So it takes those things. And we're going to add another one for you today in just a moment. Um, But we do have some unfinished business from last week. You heard Cody say in the announcements about the parent evaluation form. And I was not here to see anybody raise their hand for that. So how many of you took the parent evaluation form and went over it with one of your kids? So a few... So there's three of us. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, so I encourage you to have an open, honest conversation with your kids about your parenting. So if you are a parent, I encourage you to give freedom to your kids to answer honestly about how you're doing. It's kind of your progress report on how you are doing in your job, a very important job, how you're doing as a parent. It's hard to get that feedback sometimes. So we have to create environments with our kids that they feel safe enough to give us that feedback. Now, I told you I was going to give you the results of my parent evaluation form that my kids gave me. So here that is. 
My kids gave me an overall grade of B. So if you remember the form that we had, they could give you an A, B, C, D, or F, right? That's how that works. Um, so they gave me an overall grade of B. They said, Dad, you're doing a pretty good job, but in some ways you could get better. A few things that you could get better at. Now, here's some of the things that my kids told me that I could get better at. The first thing was spend time with them. So I think something that, that Cody mentioned about his daughter. Um, one of my kids said, Dad, like you, you work all the time and just would love if you would spend some more time with me. And I thought that was a great thing. Um, for me to do. And I was a little bit sad about that, thinking I'm not doing a good enough job spending time with my kids, so I need to do a better job at that. Another thing that my kids asked for was for me to listen more at home. I don't know if you have that problem, but usually when my kids start talking, I've got solutions, and I want to give them to them quickly. So they present a scenario, and I'm already, well, this is what you should do, and this is how you handle that. And it, you know, it's a, to me, it's a part of training. Um, and yet I'm not all that great at listening to them. I mean, just listening and hearing what they have to say on their journey. It's interesting. Like one of my kids said, dad, I already know what you're going to say. So you don't need to say it again. You just need to listen. And the funny thing is I have a background in counseling. So I've been trained in that, got some experience in that. I've been trained to listen and I don't do a good job at it with my kids. Like, ah, oh, that's not good. You know, so I can listen all day in the office when I go home. I still have to have my listening ears on, listen to my kids and hear what they're really saying instead of trying to give them all the advice that they need right away. Now, uh, the next two things, my kids ask for me to be less sarcastic. So as, as our family interacts, we're kind of playful with each other and we like to, to make jokes and have fun and, and tease. But there are moments that my sarcasm comes out heavier than what it was intended. And my kids go, ha, 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 that was funny. And then, ouch, that hurt. That's heavy, Dad, like what you just said. And I don't always get it. I don't always know when I'm doing that. And so I've been asking my kids, would you show me when I'm doing that? Point that out to me. So all week long, they've been going, right there, that's it. You said it, right there. You gave me freedom, so I'm saying it. That was it. That thing that just came out of your mouth, it hurt. I'm like, but I didn't mean that to hurt. That wasn't its intention, but it hurt, Dad. Okay, I got to get better at that. The next thing they asked was for me to be less intense. So at home, I have an intensity that I live with. I have an intensity that I live my life with. And if you only know me in kind of church context, you may not ever see much of this, but the more you get to know me, the more you'll see some of this. Um, when I'm at home, I can give commands quickly to my kids. All right, it's time to clean up. You, know, you get that, you do that. I don't care if you didn't put it there. You pick it up, put it away. I can, uh, can give a lot of commands and it can come off in an intense way that I don't know that it's coming off that way. And so my kids say, sometimes things come out of your mouth and they come out so intense. Could you just tone it down? And they've been showing me some of that as well this past week, going, Dad, like that thing right there that you just said didn't need to come out so loud or so heavy. And my wife has been a good help with me with that as well. Often she'll say, can you turn it down just a little bit? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm fine. I mean, volume's cool. It's good. Like, no, you're just way too intense. Can you gear that back? So I'm trying to learn how to be less intense when I interact with my kids. So that's what my kids said about me. I hope that you'll have an honest conversation with your kids 
and learn how to become a, a better parent and use their, their feedback as valuable information for you as you try to do that. Now, again, today we're talking about discipline. So how do we discipline our kids in ways that honor God? Now, here is our bottom line statement. The one thing I want you to remember, if you forget everything else, and you most likely will, I'll forget most of the stuff we talk about today. I want you to remember this one line bottom statement. And I think this statement can help us remember other things in the message. And here's what it is. So training my kids requires loving discipline. Now, each of those words are put in there on purpose. So we're training our kids. Again, we're talking about a direction that we're wanting to go. We're not just aimlessly interacting with our kids. We have a a purpose, a place that we want to send our kids as they are adults and leaving our home. So training my kids, and it requires, it's not a good suggestion. It's a requirement. If you're going to train your kids, it's a requirement that you discipline your kids. And that discipline should be done in loving ways. It shouldn't just be done in hurtful ways. It should be done in ways that really reinforce training in ways that are genuinely loving. Now, when it comes to discipline, most parents have a lot of questions. And I'm just curious, any parent here willing to admit you don't always know what to do? Okay, if you have a kid with you beside you, don't raise your hand. (laughs) They don't need to know that, okay? So most of us would admit Like, there are many moments we're like clueless. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. And especially when you get to this issue of discipline, many of us go, I am really clueless in this moment. I'm not sure. And discipline changes as you go through the seasons of a child's life. As they're younger, uh, get to elementary school, middle school, high school, it changes. How you discipline needs to change. And so often we're, we're a little bit clueless and we have lots of questions. And so what I'm going to try to do today is I'm going to try to answer some questions that I've heard other parents ask, answer some questions that I have asked, and I'm going to try to answer some questions that come out of the text that we're going to look at today found in Hebrews chapter 12. So um, I'm going to do my best to ask a question and then answer that question uh, from God's perspective. So here's our first question for today. Why do we need discipline in the first place? I mean, if you think about it, it's not fun for parents. It's not fun for kids. So why do we really need discipline? Listen to what the Bible says. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. So that's all of us. All of us, like sheep, have wandered off of God's path to follow our own paths. We've all basically said to God, God, I got a better idea. I got a better plan. I got a better path to be on. Not so sure you got all the information you should have. I've got a better idea. And then Romans 3.23 echoes that by saying everyone has sinned. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has fallen short of God's glorious standard. So that includes all of us except Jesus. It's the only one lived a perfect life. So all of us are in this boat together. Psalms 51.5 says, I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. So the Bible teaches that we're all born with a bent away from God. We all are born with this heart that says, God, I got a better plan. God, I got another idea. God, I'm going to do it my way. I hear what you say, but I'm going to do it my way. So all of us are just like that. And we drift from God. We don't have to teach kids how to do wrong. Have you ever noticed that? You don't have to train a kid on, hey, here's how to do something wrong. You always do everything right. 
Now, that comes naturally. But we have to train our kids in how to do right. That's where discipline comes in. Now, our next question is, where does discipline come from? Like, where, is it, where does it originate from? Listen to how Romans 8 addresses that. Starting in verse 15, it says, You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. I just want to pause here for just a moment. This is a mind-blowing statement, mind-blowing reality. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you are now one of God's kids. You have been adopted into the family of God. Now, again, to me, that is a concept I cannot fully grasp, that we mere humans, sinful and small, that the, the little ones who, who, like in kindergarten, shake our angry fist at God and say, God, I, I don't want to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. That we can call an all-loving, all-knowing, all-powerful God our Father. That is amazing. There's no other religion in the world that makes that claim. That's a profound statement that we can be children of a God like that. Listen to Hebrews 12. Verse five, it says, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his children. So where does true discipline come from? It ultimately comes from God himself. So God, our heavenly father, our loving heavenly father disciplines each one of us who are his children. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and savior, one of the things that you can expect in your life is if you veer off track with God, God will discipline you because he loves you. God will intervene. God will do something. God will interact with you in a way that involves discipline. So discipline comes from God. Now, verse six says, God disciplines those he loves. And I think that's a hard concept for us to grasp, this idea of discipline and love that are together in the same sentence. When I was younger, my parents would occasionally say to me when they were disciplining me, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Anybody heard that? Okay. Maybe our parents talked or something. My parents would say that and I would think, yeah, right. Come on, you gotta be kidding me. So if it's gonna hurt you so bad, why are you doing it? And I'd wanna trade places. Hey, if it's gonna hurt you so bad, how about we just swap places? I'll, you know, I'll take a little bit of that pain away from you. That's exactly what God did as God interacted with us when it came to discipline. You see, each one of us, again, we've strayed away from God. Each one of us have turned away from him. Each one of us have hurt him deeply. And God said, listen, here's the deal. When you've done that, I'm going to step in. I'm going to take your discipline. When Jesus died on the cross, it was him taking our discipline on himself, saying, I'll take that for you. So you don't have to endure that. I'll take that. So for all of eternity, you can be back in a right relationship with a God who loves you enough for Jesus to take your discipline and die on a cross in your place. That's an amazing statement, an amazing reality. Now, I've been a parent for 17 years now, 
And I'm learning. I'm like, I get what my parents said. When my parents said that, like, I get the reality of it. I hate disciplining my kids. I hate it. I mean, it grieves my heart deeply when I have to discipline one of my kids. But I do it because I love my kids. I do it because I want my kids to grow up to be responsible, productive adults, people who love God and love people. And I know that part of that is disciplining them to help them stay on that path. I want them connected deeply with God for all of their lives because doing life with God is always the best way to live. God always has the best plan, always. And so I want my kids close to God. And so I discipline them to help ensure that that happens. Now, verse seven of Hebrews 12 says, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Now, this next uh, statement is a very interesting statement. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? Now, I'm thinking as I read that, I'm like, apparently the author of Hebrews had no clue what today would be like. Like, like maybe he was just too busy to hang out and watch Super Nanny. So take a look at this. Isn't that fun to watch? <laughs> Especially when you're going, not my kid up there. It's, you know, relieving. I, I think the author of Hebrews would be blown away today. I think he'd watch stuff like that and think, what happened? What went wrong? What went wrong? God had a plan when it comes to raising children. Like, what went wrong? Listen to what God says in Proverbs 13, verse 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline, it's a strong language, hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Again, that's some heavy language that God says. If you don't discipline your children, it's as if you hate them. That's words from God. It's a big deal. And there are some parents that look at discipline and say, I, and I really can't come to discipline my kids. I can't bring myself to do that because, you know, that doesn't seem to be a loving thing to do. And God says the opposite is true. You love your kids and you train your kids and discipline is a form of training and it's a form of you showing your incredible love for your kids. Now, when I'm in Walmart and I'm watching the freak out moment, like we all, you know what that's like when you're in the checkout line and the, you know, the, the people in front of you got the kid and they wanted the candy and they can't have the candy and they're just going to freak out and they're going to pull you know, everything off the counter. They're going to yell and scream. They're going to kick and they're going to lay in the ground and roll around and do all that stuff like they're demon possessed. Anybody seen that? All right. You've been there. All right. So in those moments, and if a parent chooses not to discipline their kids in those moments, I'm not thinking that is such a loving parent. I'm not thinking that. And most likely you're not either. Most likely what's going through your mind is do something. Engage. Engage with your kids. Do something. Now, I know those are really awkward moments. I've got a couple of kids that have done that to us in those moments. And it's kind of embarrassing uh, when, when that happens. And I think you know, our little kids are like, hey, I'm in a safe place. There's all these people around. I can get away with it. So I'm going for it. You know, I'm going for that candy. I'm going to try to do everything I can to get this candy. And I want to encourage parents. In that moment, that's a perfect moment to lean in and train your kids. You may have to gather yourself as much as you can and leave your shopping cart and go home. 
and interact with your kids in a way that will discipline them and train them. Like, that's not acceptable in that kind of environment. It's not okay to do that. And again, my kids have done that. So it's a perfect time for us to lovingly engage our kids and point them in the right direction. Now, this next question is going to feel a little out of order. If God expects us to discipline our kids, God disciplines us, so he expects that we discipline our kids, what exactly is discipline? Like, what's a definition that we can really work with? And this is what I think discipline is. So this is my definition for it. Discipline is the training that we provide when our children violate one of the three Ds. And here are the three Ds. Disrespect, disobedience, and defiance. So disrespect, disobedience, and defiance. So when our kids violate any one of the three Ds, I think it's time for us to step in and enforce loving discipline, loving training that helps them realize those behaviors are not acceptable, helps them reconnect with us, and ultimately it helps them stay on God's path. Now, at its core, discipline is always about restoration, God's discipline with us is always about restoring that relationship. It's never about punishment for punishment's sake. It's always about restoration. So as we engage with our kids, it needs to be about restoration. As we discipline our kids, we're restoring them in a right relationship with us and we're helping them stay on track, stay on path in a relationship with God. Now, here's a question that new parents ask, if you've got uh, an infant or a young toddler, often the question is, when do I start disciplining my kids? Like, when do we begin that process? You know, do you wait till they're a little bit older? You know, when exactly do you begin the process? Well, between 18 months and about 24 months, kids begin to realize they can violate one of the three Ds. About around that time frame, around two years of age, a little one, if you've seen one, if you've had a little one do this, you see that they find a voice, their voice, and they like it. And they think, this is a chance for me to exercise my independence and get what I want in this world. And it's as if they're telling us parents, do you realize that God placed you here to meet my every wish and desire? Now get busy. There's some things that I want, and you're not doing a good enough job at getting them to me. So these little people, they look up at us almost with defiance and say, I will not do what you want me to do. No. And then we go, new parents, oh my goodness, what happened? Like, what do I do with them? Like, they haven't said this before. You know, how do I engage them? Those are perfect moments to engage our kids and start to discipline our kids. And we should always be training our kids and an aspect of that is discipline. And discipline, I think, should start around that time frame. If we start early, if we start right then and we're consistent, it'll actually get a little bit easier as they grow older. If we wait, if we wait a little bit, it actually gets a little harder. Now, I know some parents say, isn't it so cute when little Johnny defiantly expresses his opinion? He's two and he's doing it, he's so cute. He's not gonna be so cute when he's 15. And he's doing that. You know, when he's two, you can pick him up and put him in the bed and you stay there. When he's 15, you're not picking him up and putting him anywhere. He's big. So you need to start when they're young and stay consistent with that. Again, one of the most important things about training our kids with discipline is consistency, consistency, consistency. 
So when our kids decide to violate one of the three Ds, that's the time to step in and engage them. So little kids do this kind of thing where they draw a line in the sand and they step up toe-to-toe with us and go, I'm here, I want to go toe-to-toe with you. I want to take you down. And our kids need to know, lovingly, every time you step up to this line, every time we have a discipline issue, every time you violate one of the three Ds, I will be here. I love you. You want to you know, go toe-to-toe with me 100 times? Guess what? I'll be here 101 times. It doesn't matter how many times you draw a line in the sand and step up here. I will always be here one more time than you because I love you, and I will help guide you in the right direction. I will train you. And so that involves discipline. Now, here's probably the biggest question of the day. Many people ask, like, how do we discipline our kids? Like, what's the practical stuff? Like, how do we really do that in a way that honors God. In our world, there are many opinions on this subject, many opinions out there. Some parents discipline their kids through timeouts. Some parents use loss of privileges. Some parents even use spanking. Now, we're just going to pause for a moment, talk about spanking just for a little bit. It's a hot topic. People have a lot of passionate opinions about that. Listen to what God says in Proverbs twenty-three, thirteen. He says, don't fail to discipline your children. They won't die if you spank them. Physical discipline may well save them from death. Now, <laughs> sorry, wasn't expecting the, the, the applause on that one. So for some parents, that verse makes you feel uncomfortable. There are some parents that think, I can never imagine using physical discipline with my kids. Now, here's what that verse is not saying. It's not saying every parent should use spanking to discipline their kids. It's not saying that. All it's saying is that spanking is an appropriate form of discipline when used properly. When used properly. And I'm going to talk just a little bit more about that in a moment. But for Tammy and I, with our four kids, we spanked each one of them at between that 18 to 24-month time frame, somewhere right in there when they you know, looked at us and said, I will not, and they began to violate the three Ds, up till about three, maybe four-ish, just in that time frame. It wasn't a, a, a tool that we used every time we interacted with them, but it was something that we used occasionally as we interacted with our kids, again, in those willful moments of violating one of the three Ds were the moments that we would consider using that as one of the tools. Now, our youngest child is eight, and I can't remember the last time we spanked him. It's really been years um, since we've, we've used that form of discipline. But we shifted from spanking to enforcing natural consequences as quickly as our kids really could grasp discipline and training and what this whole thing was all about. Now, any form of discipline can be misused, any form of discipline can be misused. I've seen people misuse timeouts. I've seen people misuse loss of privileges. I've seen people misuse spanking. So anything can be misused. But when we're in those moments of discipline and we're trying to decide what discipline we should choose, we've got to step back from that, from the moment. And I know whether you're talking with your two-year-old, you're talking with your 15-year-old, and you are on fire. You, know, you are ready to deal with this in that moment. We've got to step back. And we got to think, like, what's our overall plan? What's our goal? We talked about that earlier in this series. What's my goal for my kids? What's my goal as a parent? Where do I want them going in life? Then we step back, and you might need to take a time out for yourself and go figure out 
what the best form of discipline might be for you in that moment. Like as you engage your kid, like what might be the best form of discipline in this moment for them to learn? That's what it's about. Them learning how to love God and love people, stay on God's path. So what in that moment would be the best discipline to help that happen? Now let me just say this about spanking. If you have an anger problem, you should not spank your kids. That's abusive. And that's not what God's talking about. When God talks about spanking, when God talks about physical discipline, it's appropriate discipline in the context of a relationship of love. We should never use any form of discipline that's abusive, ever. So if you've got an anger problem or you're angry in that moment, give yourself a time out. Cool down. Go pray. Spend some time talking with God before you interact with your kids. Again, it's about training. It's not about punishment. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So again, that's the purpose, discipline instruction that comes from God to help train our kids. It's not about provoking our kids to anger. And some of us as parents, we need to make some changes in how we discipline our kids because we don't do it in a way that really honors God and honors our kids. All of our discipline should be used in loving, appropriate ways. And then as you follow that up, I think you should, we all should follow our discipline up with our kids by having a conversation. Here's why I chose this. And here's what I was hoping you would learn in the midst of this. Why do you think we had to do this? Conversations with our kids, it's about training them. So we've got to unpack this discipline with them. Sometimes we discipline our kids and we just move on. And we forget that part of the, of the puzzle, helping them embed that in their brains. Here's the connection. I did this, this happened, and here's why. And here's what mom and dad were doing and trying to guide me in, in my life. Now, here's some of the unique ways that we found to discipline our kids as, as our kids were younger. So I'll talk about that season of life for them. With our oldest, we found that sending her to bed early before her younger sister went to bed, was it sent her into meltdown mode. I mean, she would cry, and you would have thought that we had spanked her or done something horrible to her. I mean, she would go upstairs just crying her eyes out. She's a social butterfly, loves being around us as a family, loves being around people. So she watched her younger sister down there playing you know, games and watching movies, and, I, and I, I'm pretty sure her younger sister kind of gave her the hmm look as she was going upstairs. And she just had this meltdown. So we found for her as a leverage point, any moment that, that we needed to discipline her in that season of life, there was often we would say, hey, you want to go to bed early? Or if she violated one of the 3Ds, I'm sorry, but tonight you have to go to bed early. And that was a big motivator for her to, to operate in acceptable behavior for our family. Now, when we tried that with her younger sister, it didn't work. The different kids and different personalities. So her younger sister um, is more like an introvert. She's, she's more similar to me in her personality. So she was, it was like a reward. Hey, go to bed. And she's like, cool, awesome. I don't want to be around you guys anyway. So she'd go up to her room, wouldn't even turn the lights on. And here's this little kid walking up, no lights, nothing. Hey, do you want us to turn the lights on? No, I got it, I'm good. And she'd go hang out in her room. So it was, it was cool for her, not cool for us. We're like, this isn't working. She's not learning. This isn't helping train her. We discovered in that season of her life, something almost by accident. Um, my wife said something like, hey, if you don't do this, you're going to lose your dessert tonight. 
And you would have thought like, you know, World War III broke out or something. And she, what? No dessert. It's the worst thing ever. And instantly, Tammy and I are going, we got it. We got it. Her leverage point. That's something that's meaningful to her. So then we would use that for her in, in that season of her life. And then we have another daughter that for a season, all we had to do was look at her sternly and she would melt and cry. And then my son, the thought of not playing a video game is a huge motivator. Buddy, you realize either you just lost video games or you're about to. Major motivator for him to operate in acceptable behavior. Now, I think every kid has a leverage point. Every kid. You may look at your kid and go, I'm not even sure what it is. And, or I've tried all this stuff and, and they don't demonstrate anything. Here's what I can tell you. They are bluffing because they don't want you to know. Like, I don't want you to know what my leverage point is. I'm going to act like nothing bothers me. I guarantee you there is something in their world that they think is important enough that you could use it as leverage, again, training to help them become the people that you want them to become in their relationship with God. Now, one of the things that we would do with our kids was we would give them options. So as they were growing older, they're like, okay, so do you want this discipline or this discipline? Again, after they violated one of the Ds, here's your choice. You get to choose this or this. And they would process it through, like, I don't know, I guess I'll pick this. And when they gave us their answer, guess what? Gave us more information about what they thought was important. And so next time, we had a little bit more information about how to interact with them. So the next time, we would give them different options. And the one they didn't want, it was always a part of it, always a part of the scenario for them to choose. Um, again, our goal is to train our kids. And there's a leverage point out there with every kid that I think that we need to look for to use. And those leverage points will change. So we have to be aware that it's going to change. And we've got to stay up on the curve, looking ahead for them as they're growing older. Now, verse 8 of Hebrews 12. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Big statement. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirit and live forever? And verse 10 is so encouraging to me. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. Now, as a dad, there are many moments I'm just going, I'm just doing the best I know how. Like, I'm not sure what the best thing to do in every situation, every scenario. I'm not exactly sure always what to do. And I know there are moments that I blow it. I blow it with my kids. I, you know, I, I don't leverage things well. I don't discipline them well in certain moments. I know there's moments that I blow it as a parent. So there's moments I just feel like, God, I'm doing the best that I can. Um, one of the things that our family struggles with is keeping our house clean. I don't know if you know what that's like in your house, but my house, Tammy and I will clean up the downstairs and then turn around and then what happened? I mean, within seconds, it seems like there are piles of shoes and piles of dirty clothes and piles of, of uh, dishes that need to be cleaned, schoolwork that needs to be done. And I'm thinking, we just cleaned this. How did this get so dirty again? How did the gremlins move in? We just turned around and it's a mess again. And so I get frustrated. I'm, I tell my kids often, there are six of us in this house. We should be able to keep it clean. A little bit of that intensity coming out. So in one of my finer parenting moments, 
I looked around and saw my kids' shoes all over the house, and I was on edge. I was irritated at all this cleaning up, and here we are. I'm cleaning up these shoes again, and I think my kids own like 20,000 pairs of shoes, and they're all downstairs in the living room. And so in that moment, I got so frustrated, I said to my kids, get down here, get your shoes. If you don't, they're going in the trash. And every time I see your shoes where they're not supposed to be, guess what? I'm throwing them away. And then I caught the eye of my wife who was going, you're going to do what? <laughs> like, that just doesn't sound right. And, you know, I don't think it's going to work with our budget. You know, you're not going to buy our kids shoes, new shoes every week because you just threw their, their shoes away. And so there are many moments that I just don't do a great job in my parenting. But listen to how verse 10 continues. It's a great, I think, encouragement. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. God's discipline is always right. It's always good. It's always displayed in the right amount of time. He always chooses the right discipline for us. And we as parents can learn from God. We can learn from him in those moments how to get better and how to apply the right discipline in appropriate ways. We have got to get better at this. And we can with God helping us. Now, Verse 11 talks about the long-term benefits of parenting kids in God's ways. Listen to this. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So proper discipline helps our kids live rightly. It helps our kids live rightly with God. It helps our kids live rightly with other people. It's a huge benefit. Not only do our kids benefit, but their teachers benefit, their coaches benefit, their future employers benefit, their future coworkers benefit, their future children, if they have kids, benefit. All of society in general benefits with kids that have been disciplined and trained in how to love God and love people. So loving discipline is worth it in the long run. It may be difficult. There may be moments where like, I don't know if I can do this another day, but it's worth it in the long run. Now, verse 12 and verse 13 don't apply in the context that I'm about to read them. So just so you know, I'm going to take these verses out of context for a purpose, okay? So listen to the encouragement. I think these verses can mean to weary parents, parents that are tired of their parenting role. So parents... Take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your kids so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. There might be some of you here today that would just say, you know what, I'm tired as a parent. I'm just tired of it. It's been an exhausting season where you, maybe you feel like all you ever do is discipline your kids. Maybe you're in one of those seasons where you're like, all I ever do is discipline, discipline, discipline. And I want to encourage you to strengthen your weak knees. Strengthen your weak knees and hang in there. It will be worth it one day. Maybe you've got a kid who's in a spot of real defiance and disobedience, just this in-your-face kind of stuff. I encourage you to, to take a new grip with your tired hands. Don't give up. Don't disengage. Don't say, I'm just washing my hands, whatever, do whatever you want. Don't. Stay engaged. Train your kids. Love your kids. Discipline your kids so that they'll grow up and thank you. Look back on that and say, thank you for always speaking truth to me 
in loving ways. Thank you for disciplining me. Thank you for guiding me. Now, some of you might look at your current parenting or maybe past parenting and say, you know what, I'm just, I don't feel like I'm doing a really good job at this. If your kids are young and they're still at home, I encourage you that there is time for, for improvement. There's time to change. You can learn. You can make new choices when you're parenting. If your kids are grown and gone, it would be a perfect time to have a conversation with them about, you know, I don't think I did a good enough job. And here's some areas that, that maybe I failed you in discipline and training you and have some great conversations, maybe strengthen that relationship. Now, God often uses, when we train our kids, God often uses that to train us as much, if not more, than training them. Now, in just a moment, our worship team's gonna come out and guide us in a, a closing uh, worship set. But there might be a few of you here today who say, you know what, I could use some more practical help. And if that's you, we've put together a spiritual growth challenge, something that we hand out each week, and I encourage you to pick up one of these. You can pick it up from our Connection Center, or you can download it from our website at theepicchurch.com. But on this forum, we have some resources, some book recommendations, um, some online resources that can help you in some of those difficult parenting moments. And there are so many different varieties of parenting and parenting seasons that are out there that are unique to individuals that um, there are some great resources out there to help you with that. So I encourage you to take a look at that later today. Now we're gonna wrap up in prayer and then our worship team's gonna come out. So let's pray together. God, this issue of training up our kids is such a heavy thing. It's a difficult thing for parents to do. And Lord, there are many moments that we have lots of questions, more questions than answers and uh, it's easy for us to get overwhelmed. But Lord, we need to learn from you always that you are our heavenly father and you always lovingly discipline us and train us to be the people that you desire. So Lord, we need to learn from you. And those of us that are parents, we need to learn how to lovingly train and discipline our kids, whether they're two years old or whether they're 20 years old. Lord, we always have an opportunity to point them in a the right direction. We always have influence over them. And Lord, a piece of that training involves discipline. And we all have a tendency to walk away from you. And so Lord, you use discipline to help us stay on track with you. And as we interact with our kids, we need to lovingly discipline them. Training requires that. So Lord, help us today as we continue to learn how to be the parents that you desire us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give it up one more time for the uh, worship team? I love waking up to that. Now, how many of you were able to give your children your parental evaluation forms? That was a fear almost that I had, you know, I'm like, go ahead and be honest on this questionnaire. And I'm like, okay, maybe not. And she was, um, she, her first response when she sat down, we're like, we're going to go through the evaluation. She's like, am I going to get in trouble? I said, no, no, you're not going to get in trouble. Why would you write? You know, like going through it. But it was, it was cool to see it um, in, in a couple different aspects and fearful also. Um, because for myself, it was, um, she wants me to quit my job and spend more time with her, which is awesome. I'm like, that's a great idea. Let's do that this week. And uh, for my wife, it was, um, it was to play games with her in the morning, Skippo, 
um, instead of the afternoon. So it, it was cool to see that, that um, uh, one of her love languages was quality time. She's actually transformed a little bit, which is a scary part because it used to be acts of service. Uh, we used to go through and clean up her room and stuff. And um, it's fearful because she's growing up and I don't want that as a father for my child to grow up yet. But, it's, uh, but it was cool to see that. And um, if you don't know what the love languages are, um, it's actually the five languages for children. It's a cool little uh, book that they have. I definitely recommend you looking into it, but it kind of tells a, def- a couple different things that make your children's heart beat. Everybody is wired differently, even us, and uh, I just recommend you check out that book. Um, and there's a quiz in there that your child can take to actually um, let you know what their love language is so you can focus on that and uh, kind of help them out. Um, but my name's Cody, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, and I am the leader of our student ministry here at Epic called Surge. And we have some pretty awesome stuff coming up. Um, in fact, next Saturday, we have an event at Art and Soul Studio, where Art and Soul Studio is, um, is taking a, a, a portion of their proceeds from everybody that goes there and gives it back to our summer camp that we're actually going to this summer. Um, so I definitely, if you have a creative side, if you don't have a creative side, if you're looking for something for, to get your father for Father's Day, this is a great opportunity. Coffee cups, all that stuff out there. Go and check it out. It's a great atmosphere to go and hang out. Um, and if you don't know what Big Stuff Summer Camp is, um, it is a camp that um, a majority of our students are going to this summer um, in July. And uh, it's just going to be a great environment for them to hang out. And right now we're in the process, as you can see, the Art and Soul Studio, of raising a little bit, mo- a little bit of money to help support that. So if you don't have uh, a student that is going or a child that is going and you want to help support um, you, can, you can go ahead and uh, jump online at theepicchurch.com. There's an icon where you can go and give there. And just go ahead and put um, that it would be donation for summer camp down at the bottom of it, however you do it. Or you can give through the giving boxes. But to give you an idea of the cost and the reason why we're doing this, it is $359 per student to be able to go to this event. Plus, we're transporting 25 students over there. So we're trying to help them out as much as possible to make, be able to make this atmosphere as pleasant and enjoyable as possible. And then also, if you don't know, um, we actually branched off of another church four years ago, Palm Coast Community Church. And their leaders completely supported us coming out and encouraged us to be able to start out Epic, what we have here today. And we've grown immensely. But they also still support us. They still help us out. And uh, we have offices over there that the staff still utilizes. Um, Surge meets over there um, a couple times a month, and they totally support that, even our craziness that we have over there. Um, And they also have many men's and women's groups there. So they support us on a consecutive basis. So we're actually taking a day out of our time on June 8th um, from 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock to have a work day over there um, to help them out with their facility and help them maintain it. So we're going to be doing landscape projects, painting projects, and it's a great opportunity not only to go and help them, but to be able to hang out with your fellow family here at Epic. So if you want to plug in with that, you can go to the back. Uh, They have a sign-in sheet at the Connection Center back there. Um, And also you have these little green handy-dandy little notes right by you on the uh, chairs. You can go ahead and uh, it gives you all the information on there, what we're going to be doing. And there's an email on there if you want to sign up also. You can email Cass um, for that. And then, as you know, tomorrow is Memorial Day. A lot of us have the day off, which is amazing. Um, But as you go through your day and you're grilling out, you're hanging out with family um, or you're swimming, whatever you do on Memorial Day, I ask you just take time out of your day um, just to be able to be thankful, pray for all the men and women that serve in our military that have lost their lives and fallen. And not only that, pray for their families, uh, the devastation they went through and just the healing process of what they've gone through for these people that just gave their lives for our freedom. 
And God also asks us to give of our time, our talents, and our resources. As you could tell at Epic, we like to get out into the community. We like to make a difference. We like to make a safe and healthy environment for people to come and worship God. And if you'd like to partner with us and help support that, um, there's two ways that you can give. You can give online at theepicchurch.com, or you can give in our giving boxes, which are in the back. And for our, our friends and family here that are new, um, if, if you could, on your way out today, we're not leaving yet, but on your way out at the end of service, stop by the Connection Center. There's a packet they have for you uh, which tells you a little bit about Epic. So thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the service and go ahead and check out this video.